You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and the outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider of the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson and I'm the editor of Renew Economy and also the EV focused at the Driven website and One Step Off the Grid. And joining me is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, um, I'm not going to invite you to burst out in song, but apparently you've got some very distressing news. <laughs> She's out of my life. Out of my life. Yeah, the, I'll so. leave it at that. But yeah, no, the live wire's gone back. The live wire's gone back. Um, you know, um, it was very distressing. Uh, I was actually, I actually just sat there in the rain, wet and cold, uh, feeling actually really depressed, oh, having to watch oh. it drive away. But I, I, I um, but. Uh, I had a wonderful, wonderful two and a half odd months. Uh, I've made an offer on the bike, which uh, they've quietly uh, not even oh, bothered responding to because it was so low, I suspect. Um, but I, I mean, you I looked am... after that bike for two and a half months. I mean, for goodness sake. I, I washed it <laughs> at least once. Um, but I am, you know, it's kind of like the poor old Zero was tucked away in the shed and I'm... I'm renewing my love affair with the zero and I have to say I'm actually loving every minute of it. So I'm still fully electric. Uh, you know, I wish I had the latest motorcycle, the latest best uh live wire in the world. I don't at this point in time. But, you well, know, thank goodness for that, Nigel, because I just couldn't bear the thought that I'd be talking to someone who's burning fossil fuels as they're just driving around the place. But look, I know of at least one listener will be happy because I did get a complaint last week saying, I don't actually give a toss about Nigel and his electric bikes, but um, I'm actually just tuning into this podcast <laughs> wow. for solar. And, um, oh, and look, fair, fair enough. enough. So look, we, we, we <laughs> must get on with it. We must get on with it. And thanks for... for well, no, I might have just summarised it actually, but look, you know, I, I, I get it, and I was just very appreciative of the feedback, and um, and um, it's great getting the feedback from the listeners, and uh, but that was just one. I just thought I don't think I passed it on to you, but um, I just have. Um, <laughs> well, by the way, speaking of listeners, I I was chatting with a listener a few weeks back now, and he said, you know, you and your podcast, your podcast injured, injured me. And I said, what, what What are you talking about? How can Solar Insiders injure me, injure someone? And he said, well, I was so engrossed in your conversation that I ran into a telegraph pole. He was jogging and he ran into a telegraph pole because he was focused on the podcast, not on where he was going. And he showed me the wound. He had no a wound way. on his head. So, you know, we're having a, we're having a material impact. Well, we better carry a safety, a safety warning. Do not, do not listen to this. <laughs> do not listen to this podcast if you're approaching any power poles. The people out there, I just, just, just pull over right now. I think even if you're taking the kids to school, which you're probably not because everyone's in lockdown, um, just, just play it safe. Just play it safe. Um, yeah. But look, yeah. Yeah. Look, lockdown. It's our life. I know. And it may well be for a while. Um, anyway, look, hey, look, solar. Solar. Um, it's um, solar. Amazingly, I mean, we keep on talking about the massive uptake in the um, of rooftop solar. Uh, it's going to be. It was pretty close to three gigawatts last year. I think it's going to be well over three gigawatts this year, unless, of course, this 
um, lockdown and these sort of harsh lockdowns doing um, people's businesses in, but it's going to get pretty close anyway because we're so, so far down that track already. Um, fascinating to see the Australian energy market operator and its electricity statement of opportunities, which is kind of, God, it used to be a document that no one really paid much interest in at all until they started warning about rolling blackouts, possibly, um, if not enough generation and storage was built. But now it's all looking quite sort of hunky-dory because we have built so much wind and solar and there is storage being built and will be built. So actually they're forecasting no supply issues over the next five years. And even over the five years after that, when a whole bunch of coal generators exit, they expect all the stuff that's kind of planned but not yet committed to fill the gap. So it kind of one hand makes complete nonsense of this sort of, um, you probably saw the headlines in the last week from Angus Taylor making a big push for a coal subsidy and you need coal to keep the lights on and all that sort of stuff. I mean, what a, what a, well, what a drip. Not, not just him not being a drip. I mean, just all for the media for just sucking it up and actually just, um, just repeating it. Completely credulous. I don't know whether they're sort of beating an ideological beat, but it's just really, really annoying. When you see headlines saying that keep coal to encourage renewables, um, I mean, that the whole idea is just beyond stupid. Um, and I actually wrote that the other week. Um, and that comes from the that comes from the Financial sure, Review. Man. And okay, it was probably just a headline mm. writer, but basically the person that wrote that article um, said the same thing. And then the next day they followed it up with an editorial saying, of course we have to keep coal in the system, otherwise we wouldn't keep the lights on and we wouldn't be able to build more renewables. And you just think, do you guys actually not understand anything? Anyway. Anyway, um, and this, I'm only halfway through my rant, but um, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Australian Energy Market Operator it's done its ESU, its Statement of Opportunities, and the fascinating thing about it is they're not actually concerned so much with getting adequate sort of production to sort of meet demand, although they're a little bit worried about, you know, big floods and coal plants and things like that, so they might sort of put some emergency reserve there. The biggest challenge, and I think we've talked about this before, is minimum demand and the amount of rooftop solar that's coming into the system and making sure that they've got all the things in place to be able to control the grid, because rooftop solar is now largely, mm -hmm. well, it's been invisible, it's been largely unmanageable or uncontrollable. And they're now talking about another nine gigawatts of rooftop solar coming in by 2025, which will mean that at certain times of the day, on one of those days where there's not much demand and there's a lot of sun around the country, that minimum demand might fall to four to six gigawatts across the country. Now, that's currently, the current minimum is about 15 gigawatts. Wow. So down to four to six gigawatts. Rooftop solar will be accounting for 76, 77% of total demand. I mean, that is, I mean, what it, Four to six gigawatts, and the, the grid normally historically runs at like 35, nah, 40 gigawatts. Only at the peak times, right? Nigel, but probably around about 20, 23 and stuff hey, like that. Okay. With minimums, you know, a bit below that. But the record okay. minimum has been 15 gigawatts, and that's because of all the rooftop solar that's already come in. But pushing it down to four to six gigawatts, yeah. and you've probably got about 20 odd gigawatts of rooftop solar, accounting for 30, you know, 75% or even more of the output at that time, that is a, I mean, that's, when you think about it, that's actually quite stunning. It is just like a completely changed system. Oh. Coal used to be the dominant player. And, you know, all those little things we used to say about one more kilowatt of, coal, of soil on the roof, that's one less kilowatt of coal that will be produced. Well, here's the proof. Here's the proof that it's coming in and it's just completely dominating the system. So, um, um, Go everyone. That's remarkable. That's remarkable. <laughs> go <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Go you solar people. Go. 
That's that is phenomenal, phenomenal to think that it, it, it can have that much yeah. impact. That's um, now, of know. course, there's a few issues that go with that. One, they have to be able to manage that system. So there's a whole bunch of new sort of you know um, protocols and other things that are coming in, like this sort of switching off rooftop solar, the dynamic exports, which you've been talking about over the last couple of episodes. What was really interesting yep. from um, what AEMO were talking about in their report is about 100 pages long, but there's a fair bit dedicated to rooftop solar. Was just talking about the social license of people like AEMO and whoever they sort of, you know, nominate as their proxies, which I think in the case could be you, Nigel, um, about sort of controlling the appliances. So, you know, it's not just the rooftop solar systems, it's kind of the batteries and it's the mm-hmm. demand and it could be the hot water system and it could be the electric mm-hmm. vehicle and it could mm-hmm. be, well, it might be the toaster, but mm-hmm. it might be the toaster. don't know whether we can never have a smart toaster. But anyway, um, but it's it's interesting because this has an implication for the solar industry. So you've got installers out there who are just basically sort of putting panels on the roofs and um, inverters and the whole setup and hopefully doing a really, really good job as most of them do. But that conversation with their customers is going to change quite quickly because we're now going to be talking about the whole integration and how that rooftop solar will marry with their appliances and who the retailer might be and will it be part of a virtual power plant and there's going to be questions asked about, well, where do I get my money and what happens when this, that and the other thing happens it's going to evolve but it's probably going to evolve quite quickly and it's going to be very much a change conversation orchestration is the word that i love around all of this and i was actually chatting with some guys at osgrid the other day and and you know they're grappling with these issues in fact i've been invited to join the osgrid pricing working pricing working group my goodness apwg yeah that's that's right yeah yeah they um you know they uh they have people from all walks of life you know giving a giving a view uh to help them construct their pricing and work on reform and they're they're talking out in the future but you know this is all this stuff is on their radar mate you know this orchestration and you know how fast are evs going we can see evs are coming how fast are they going to come um in fact i think um we've got a meeting this week actually and there are Two big topics on the agenda. AEMO are coming along to the meeting, which is great, to brief us on some stuff that um, um, around the, I don't want to call it the solar tax, but I can't remember what it's really called, but the solar tax. Uh, so there's some discussion around that. And there's also um, some people coming in to talk about EVs, which is part of the reason they got me in there, because apparently, according to our listeners, I bang on relentlessly about electric motorbikes. But, you know, there's a point to that, which is that, you know, I'm, like so many other people, you know, I'm trying to manage charging and potentially discharging my EV. And so, yeah, it's it's right up on the radar. It's right yeah. up on the radar. Well, it's funny enough, actually, in, in, in lockdown, um, I haven't been going to sort of charging up. We're, we're actually pretty lucky up here in northern New South Wales, thanks to the council and the generosity of NRMA. And because there's a Tesla charging station nearby, we've got plenty of choices for basically free charging. But I haven't been using them much because all the nearby cafes are closed, so there's no point going sitting out in the middle of nowhere just... Um, looking at yourself and staring in the distance, um, although that's quite pleasant as well. So I've just been charging at home and just sort of plugging in with the solar, you know. That's um, interesting. That's interesting, isn't it, that it's those flow-on, it's those other things of getting a coffee or a pie or something else. That absolutely. So I've just turned into it's I've just turned just into a solar thing. soak and I've got this very very sophisticated system about sort of, you know, um, solar control and things like that. I look up in the sky, if there's clouds, I run out and switch it off. And if there's not, then I'll leave it on. And... Um, 
<laughs> old school. Old, old school. school. I like it. I must get one of those little technical, you know, those little zappy things or whatever they are. Um, but anyway, but um, look, that works pretty well. And it's just what's really fascinating. I mean, getting uh, diverting away from here. But what's fascinating is that it's about 20 k's down to the beach in the morning for the surf, 20 k's back. So it might use about sort of 14, 15% of the um the battery and it takes a couple of hours to charge up in the sunshine and it's all good to go again it's just this perfectly yep. perfect system really it's um um yeah so look that, that's just yeah i know so fascinating but nigel what are you hearing out there um where are we with the I, i've kind of lost track with the pandemic and what the installers are allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do and what's been put in and what's not being put in and stuff like that oh Gosh, you know, I, I I resolved this week that I was going to stop watching the news or you know tuning into the eleven a update, updates and tracking the numbers and everything else because, you know, frankly, it's it's all getting a bit tedious and a bit depressing and um, you know, and I've got it good uh, compared to many people. Um, um, so you know, I'm hearing stories about um, people drowning and and having a very tough time, uh, especially anyone in in Greater Sydney. They're really really doing it tough. Um, uh, and, a, and a lot of that is just around the logistics of it. You know, how do you move crews around? How do you move people around? How do you get from area to area? You might have a job over here that's in an okay area, but you've got to cross an area that's not okay. And, you know, so it's a lot of just wasted time and energy on logistics that everyone um, uh, is, is spending an enormous amount of energy on. So, you know, for anyone in New South, Greater Sydney, um, particularly and and indeed in Victoria it's pretty tough in the regional areas I'm hearing that things are flowing okay I chatted to a couple of regional New South Wales people who said yeah we're kind of doing okay and you know we've got to be a little bit careful here and a little bit careful there but you know largely things are going okay and then just yesterday I was speaking to um old Luke Williams who's oh, he's like a million years old I think uh he's he's been in the industry for forever and ever and ever and um he was describing a bit of a mini boom uh in the off-grid area which is a speciality of of his um and his business and um he was saying oh we're just swimming in you know professionals reasonably wealthy professionals who are going well we're out of sydney then and they go and buy a block of land and a house in the country and they go right let's get off grid let's you know hide from this horrible pandemic and we can work remotely and everything else so he's uh, and he's not the first off-grid guy to talk about um, how busy it is in the off-grid space. So, yeah, swings and roundabouts. Queensland guys seem to be chugging along okay, but, you know, everyone is feeling these logistical issues and stuff's just hard. As you know, you try and order anything online and it just takes longer than it should to get here and everything else. So logistics are a real challenge at the moment. But, um, you know, um, it can't last forever. I'm fascinated by this off-grid stuff. I mean, how much is um, what, what's driving people to do that? Is it sort of um, they're doing this because of the hell of it, and they've got some money to spend, or because they just want to have that sort of? There's, there's so much central, central central control over our lives at the moment that um, you know this is one way of breaking free, um, or is it just for, you know? I, th- I think part of it's that, but I but I think also you know the the the. Um, the appeal of inner city high density living has really worn off, right? <laughs> so if you if you lived somewhere that was inner city or high density, um, um, or you had the alternative to you know sell your property or buy another property if you're really lucky and just get out of dodge, 
then you can enjoy the freedoms that come with that. And and um, that's what a lot of the people I've been chatting to have been describing to me is people saying they just want out of this high-density problem. Um, they want to get into low-density areas where they don't have many people around them and they can feel safe. I can understand that, having made that exact decision about seven years ago and um, finding myself up here... Um, in a low density area, but I'm not off grid though. I'm still, I'm still kind of here. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but still, Nigel, we're just going to mm. take a message from uh, sponsors. Solar Analytics designs, develops, and supplies smart solar software solutions that deliver more value from rooftop solar systems. Solar Analytics are committed to helping households, businesses, and solar retailers get more from your solar. Get more confidence, more savings, and more insights. With and Solar Analytics. I'd like to thank all our sponsors, um, Solar Analytics, Sunwiz, and Clenergy, for their ongoing support for this podcast. Now, Nigel, you've been talking about some of the issues with some of the um, retailers and installers around the place. Um, um, some <laughs> had a pretty. Had a, had a real roller coaster or a solar coaster, and I guess none more so than um, the blokes over in Autonomous Energy. Oh, it's true. And, and you know, uh, last episode, we kind of got chatting about autonomous energy and, and the kind of um, somewhat surreal story uh, surrounding their um, uh, their investment uh, by Bill Pappas, who's been in the news a lot lately, and then, you know, looked like they were going to get dragged down like Bill Pappas. But no, they got out of it. And then there's been press about them sort of recovering. And we both said to each other, Giles, in the last episode, we've got to get Matthew on. So I rang Matthew and... Um, we managed to have a bit of a chat with him. And uh, I asked him a bunch of questions about what on earth's been going on. Matthew, thanks for joining Solar Insiders. It's a pleasure, Nigel. Mate, um, let's start right at the beginning with a brief intro. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Autonomous Energy was uh, founded 18 years ago. You got 28 staff, according to your website. You started out doing a bit of resi, but moved mostly into pretty large scale commercial solar for the for the last few years is that is that a nutsh- is that you guys in a nutshell yeah we um it was always set up with the idea of being a, a commercial industrial focused business i think when we first started residential was the only game going in solar but uh, yeah. it was certainly only only ever a, a short term um, thing and uh, i think that Everybody that's ever worked here would uh, agree with me that um, the happiest day of autonomous was when we uh, we did our last residential job and, <laughs> and left that to the uh, residential's great for and but it's a totally different business and and totally you got to be doing one or the other so um, there's some wonderful people out there doing great stuff but that's definitely not us so yeah, <laughs> yeah good good well focus is good focus is yeah good. absolutely so mate we we were chatting about uh, you you guys have come up uh, in the press so I read couple of stories in the Australian Financial Review yeah. about you. There's been all sorts of things going on. Uh, and all of that comes down to the fact that um, uh, you took some investment uh, from uh, Bill Paps' uh, Luigius or Forum companies who unfortunately recently collapsed. Uh, let's start at the beginning here with this part. Who the hell is Bill Pappas and why was he buying into a solar company? Yeah, well, um, so first question, who is he? He's He's an Australian businessman and um, has been quite successful in some some previous businesses and uh, particularly in the print space. Um, and it all sort of happened, it all came up pretty quickly, um, to be honest, that one. I think it was over lunch, one of our, uh, or our major shareholder uh, had a lunch with him and next thing I knew, uh, 
more or less um, within the space of a couple of months, which is pretty quick for these things. Very quick. Um, they we'd all agreed and uh, and had um, basically done the the process, and Bill had bought the uh, 100% of autonomous energy through his UGIS company, which was sort of set up. The main uh, product was in green waste digesters, uh, mm-hmm. but the the big picture, the the story anyway, the the pitch was that it was uh, going to be an international environmental technology business. Um, with uh, already had operations in the UK and throughout uh, the Middle East and and much of Europe as well as Australia. Mm-hmm. Headquarters was in uh, North Sydney, and mm-hmm. um, we were going to be the cornerstone of the energy component. Uh, along with other parts in waste and and water was the was the story um so so that all sort of happened in about march and um we didn't get very far into it (laughs) i can't tell you too much more about you just than that to be honest interesting yeah, it sort of happened quickly and then unhappened quickly. Unhappened, <laughs> unhappened pretty quickly as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Which, which is which has pros and cons. Uh, it, it it is a pretty uh, interesting vision that he was painting, and I've read a bunch of stories about what he was trying to build, um, mm. and and you know his relative success it would seem in, yep. uh, and vision and stuff so so for you guys presumably this was about getting some more capital into the business to to fund the next stage of your growth is that yeah right? yeah exactly that's it so um you know we're a projects uh, based business and uh projects businesses are they're great and exciting but they're capital intensive you're always um needing to be buying equipment and paying for things generally before you're getting paid yourself. There's a lot of um, contractor securities and stuff that we need to provide. And over time, all that builds up. So uh, we felt that, um, or certainly our board at the time felt that that it was time to uh, to have a, a new owner with a, with a better sort of capital structure and one that was maybe more um, ready for the ups and downs of the solar industry as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, certainly the, the previous uh, owners um, yeah, maybe uh, very experienced in business, but maybe weren't quite um, ready for the tumultuous uh, ride that being involved in a solar company uh, brings. So, um, so they... Um, yeah, they, they agreed to do that and, and brought us into the uh, to the UGIS business. And then they had grand plans of international expansion and mm. all sorts of things. So, um, must, so have been a very, must have been a very exciting time. And, and I mean, uh, with I think perhaps with only one or two exceptions, when you look at the the, the handful of, you know, commercial focused solar companies in Australia, Virtually all of them have had to take in a capital yeah. partner at some point in time to to allow them to get more capital in the business to grow. It's very hard to build that capital Absolutely. yourself, especially in a in the topsy turvy world that we live in. So, okay, uh, great idea, big vision, uh, big capital allows you to position yourself for potentially international growth and everything. Great vision, uh, but the Bill Pappas group of companies got forced into liquidation. You got dragged into that. But I read online yesterday, actually, that lucky for you, the integration hadn't really got its teeth into the business yet. So it seems that you were able to extricate yourselves by the skin of your teeth, uh, from what I'm getting, and and managed to just pull out. And then somehow you did a a management buyout to to buy back the business. Is is that right? Yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. So we were... Unlucky, but lucky at the same time um, with how things worked out. So 
I think if we'd been in that um, group of businesses for much longer, a few more months, then things would have been uh, a lot more complicated. But as it was, we were lucky that the uh, there was basically no integration uh, done at all. So we'd um, yeah, there were plans for integration into that business, but but uh, we never yeah, it takes time and focus and. And so we were still operating as a completely independent business with their own bank accounts and ABN and employee contracts, own office, hadn't moved in with, uh, with their office, although that was, um, was planned. Um, so, um, luckily, um, you know, it, uh, we managed to at least have a, a clear defined boundary, um, around us that, um, that allowed us then once we were forced into an administration process to be able to, clearly define what was autonomous energy separate from UGIS and yep. uh, and to be able to understand it still as well we knew we knew the business still it was still the business that we'd been running yep. so um, so it was uh, you know possible for us then to to be able to cut that out and uh, and eventually um, after what felt like about four years but I think it was actually about four weeks <laughs> uh, we managed to um, to get a management buyout sort of approved through the uh, the creditors and uh, the administrator so and that's wow. that's where we are now so wow wow mate what a what a ride and and, and presumably now we and we were just chatting before we came back uh, came on to air about um you know now it's kind of okay now we've got to understand how the market's changing where we're talking about the idiosyncrasies of you know commercial property ownership and how that's changing and you know how there are going to be different segments that are potentially new prime candidates for for putting solar on their on their buildings and some others you know you wouldn't go try and sell solar to a pub or an rsl or (laughs) or a cafe uh, for the next year or so at least probably but there are other sectors that are growing and and so you guys are kind of back to business as usual now um presumably you know the the hunt is still on uh, for you guys to to um, you know to get that capital to you know resume your growth, right? Yeah, I think the the key thing for us in this management buyout was was that capital piece. So getting control of the business is one thing, but the last thing we wanted to do was to do that only to find that we're then you know, out of the frying pan into the fire that we weren't yeah. um, effectively funded and that we were going to create problems for ourselves or our clients or our staff. So, um, so the, the reason it, it took us a bit longer than we'd initially hoped, um, a lot of that was down to making sure that we had the right modelling in place to ensure that we could effectively fund the business um, on a sustainable um sort of forward trajectory yep. that doesn't mean that um that there's not alternatives that um with you know, more capital you could have a different trajectory uh, sure. into the future but but it's all about making sure that that you're on a on a path that's feasible and um and so we and times are are interesting at the moment as well I, i'm not sure that 2021 is going to quite turn out to be the year that We'd hoped um, sort of early on in the year we we dared to uh, believe that it was really all back on and yeah. and there were uh, sort of no barriers ahead of us now. But uh, obviously we've hit a little bit of a speed bump with um, with lockdowns and uh, and the like at the moment, just you know, causing a few delays and and obviously giving clients and other people something to think about. Um, 
they're just taking their attention away from from maybe the solar project that they might otherwise be doing. So um, so that that's all going to affect the the potential growth trajectory as well. But, um, but yeah, the key thing was was getting that capital piece right. Um, and yeah, maybe in the future we'll uh, we'll be. You know, looking again at that, but we'll be doing it <laughs> with a lot more uh, hard-earned uh, know-how in our back pocket, and uh, we'll be we'll be pretty careful, I think. <laughs> yeah, the, the blood will still be drying on the side of your face, I guess, from the pain of the the last one. So it'll be easy to remember the lessons learned, mate. Um, we're out of time, sadly, but it, it it's fantastic to just get this little bit of background because I know a lot of people in the industry were were heartbroken to see a business that had gone for you know almost two days decades uh, um, looked like it was tipping over and, and equally uh, everyone was uh, resoundingly excited to see that you guys had managed to to uh, to get out by the skin of your teeth and to save it and and you know uh, bring it back to life so so I just wanted to take the time to say thank you um, uh, for coming on and, and telling us your story there's some lessons here for everyone in in uh, particularly in the commercial space about the risks to watch out for and sometimes uh, they can be seen and sometimes they're unforeseen Scene, but uh, congratulations on navigating the next chapter of the solar coast. I can't wait to hear more about where you guys land uh, once we can all get back to to that normal life that we were uh, envisaging envisaging that will come back to us soon. And um, uh, and you know, congratulations to you, mate. Yeah, thanks, Nigel. No, it's been great getting the support from yourself and just yeah, flooded with uh, support from across the industry. It's really. Uh, been really encouraging and um, kept us going and you know, staff have been amazing, clients have been amazing, competitors have been amazing as well. It's a great industry to be in. So, um, oh, that's beautiful news. I definitely, I'm going to bring two, I promised you a bottle of champagne for the team to celebrate when uh, when everyone's get back, just back <laughs> yeah. in that office. I'll bring two. <laughs> Blow it. <laughs> Sounds great. We'll look forward to that. <laughs> All right. Thanks heaps, man. Thanks for having me on, Nigel. And that was Matthew Linney from um, Autonomous Energy. Yes, um, look, fascinating, Nigel. Um, just look, truth be told, this, that was actually recorded after we've recorded this, so I can't actually hear what the other, other questions are. So we've kind of fudged on that one, so I can't make any sort of intelligent insights into that conversation. And I certainly hope you've got to do that interview, otherwise we're going to look pretty silly. Um, <laughs> not but look, not fascinating. <laughs> I can I can tell you, you already. Having, you no, uh, no, I can tell you already. It is going to be a really interesting chat because I chatted with Andrew uh, with Matthew the other day um, in advance of. Uh, you've, advance got a, of tint, you, you've got the you've you've got the tenses wrong, Nigel. Remember, we're recording this, and then you, then you do the interview with Matthew, and then this is actually then produced. So, um, what will happen has already happened. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I, Feel like I've landed in uh, an episode of Idiocracy, but that's okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, the, the, um, the truth is, there is there is a fascinating story there, um, and um, you know, it's it's about all these issues around you know uh, how to how to build a solar business, how to how to how to keep a solar business going, how to take investment at the right time, how to pick the right investors, how to survive the the, the ups and downs of investment, and all those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, it's um, it. It's going to be it's 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 going to be and was a really interesting chat. <laughs> I'm 
think before we get ourselves too confused. Um, that was fantastic. Well done, Nigel. It's a good. Um, it's a segue. To, uh, it's a segue to great, great solar business. There you go. So uh, absolutely, because we can talk. We can talk about the past and the future. <laughs> That's right. Once again. That's how this week's episode's a little bit trippy. Um, last week, great interview with Hans Eintwagner, Eintwagner uh, from Fronius, where we talked about the future of inverter technology. So a little bit of a switch of pace to move right into the sort of technology space. But um, Hans uh, gave some great insight into, you know, what Fronius uh, have achieved, how they've you know, relatively small inverter company, but have actually taken on the giants of the world and, you know, been massively popular in Australia to the extent that people will tattoo their brand name on them, uh, which is, you know, unprecedented. Uh, I bet all inverter companies would like people to be tattooing their brand on them. Um, so we dug into those topics with Hans, which was fascinating. And um, I've got uh, next week's episode in the bag as well, where we're going international for the first time. We've got our first international guest. Uh, and really what we did was we chatted about the, um, the, the, the the similarities and the differences between the US and the Australian solar markets. And I've been lucky to get it in and out of the, uh, the, the US market uh, many times over the last 30 odd years and sort of always kept a bit of a watching brief on what are the what are the lessons we can learn from each other. And that's what I kind of dug for there. So I, I hope you'll enjoy that one next week as well. Cool. Well, one of the big lessons that you can learn from that is actually having a federal government that actually takes climate change seriously and renewables seriously and um, actually sort of sets out a plan. From time, from time to time. This, um, from time to time. From time to time. Mind you, mind you, for, 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 for a guy who says there's too much wind and solar in the system, um, since he was appointed three years ago, um, Angus Taylor hasn't done a very good job of stopping wind and solar until probably just recently, but um, it's going to continue on um, yeah, what, despite him, I think. What an ineffective hater he is, really, you know? He's not doing a very good job of hating us at all, is he? Ineffective <laughs> hater. I wonder if I can sort of... Get that into a headline sometime. I'm not too sure. It's a headline. The ineffective hater, the ineffective solar hater, yeah, or, wind, or the wind mm. hater, yeah. Anyway, um, um, 121 wind and solar farms have been opened. No, no, not 121, just over 100 wind and solar farms have been opened in the last three years since he became energy minister and he hasn't been moved to visit a single one. But there he was up at, um, up at the uh, up at the fracking gas fields up in the Northern Territory, having a good look, and there's been that sort of project when they were going to build gas, but not, not a single window has earned his um, visit. But anyway, let's move on, Nigel. Um, know, good solar guy. who butters his bread, though. The good solar guy. Yeah, look, the boss actually The boss actually rang me three times on Sunday with feedback about the last episode. Thanks, boss. Um, but, you know, uh, he actually made a really, really good point because we were talking about some of the issues that consumers face. And, you know, we, 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 you and I often make this mistake, uh, Giles, of saying, you know, make sure you do your research and look into, you know, who you're going to buy solar from. And in fact, a buddy of mine emailed me just last night, said, oh, got a quote for solar. And, you know, I've done the hard work and look at this quote. It looks awesome. And I had to go back to him and 
give him a long sorry tale about why the company that he he'd uh, he'd got a quote from was uh, probably flaky as all hell and he shouldn't deal with them and he went but their quote looks so beautiful so you know it is really really hard and we often just use this generic term do your research and the boss rang me on Sunday morning and said Nigel I'm sick of you saying do your own research because what does that really mean how do consumers actually do that research what is what do they do because there's so much to research and the answer is simple. Read the Good Solar Guide. The Good Solar Guide is whether you just read, you know, the the, the, the opening chapter or whether you want to gorge on the whole book that explains all the things that you should do uh, and think about and consider when you're looking at buying solar. It is the best guide to how to choose a good solar system um, written by Finn Peacock down uh, from Adelaide, who's a wonderful guy. He's done a great job. It's an unbiased book. It's great reference material. A lot of it's actually available on his website. So if you want to just grab snippets of it, his website's terrific as well. So um, don't just do your research. Uh, Read the good solar guide before you buy solar. Indeed, he says. It's the big button. Finding the mute button. Um, just unlink and type. It's the big button. It's right at the top, actually. Yeah, there you go. No, no, no. Look, it's um, it's absolutely a good thing because there, there's constant questions. And as we said at the start of this podcast, there's going to be even more questions now where it's not just about putting solar on the roof. It's also just about managing everything that's going to go with it and the, and the, and the batteries and things like that, which um, um, is going to require even more um, attention to detail, finding out what it is that people are proposing to you. Um, what else we got, Nigel? Before we might just all slip back into um, EV and electric vehicles, because there's some important news there. Apart from your your missing um, Harley Livewire. Well, I can can I tell you a very very short story about how the world is the Australia even in Australia the laggards of the EV industry around the world an embarrassment to the world in fact an embarrassment to us around the world for our slow uptake of EV EVs but. I witnessed firsthand the other day um, how the world is already changing around EVs. I was riding up the road of my electric motorbike and there was a gentleman walking up the road with three-year-old daughter. Uh, he didn't hear me coming, but his three-year-old daughter, who didn't have any preconceived ideas about what a vehicle should or shouldn't sound like, intuitively understood that I was coming up the road. She turned around when I was 50 metres down the road. She didn't know what a motorbike was supposed to sound like or not sound like. She just, her intuition and her senses told her that I was coming up the road, even though I was on an electric motorcycle. And to me, that was the most interesting thing because she is the the uh, the next generation of people who automatically know what an EV sounds like. They automatically understand that you don't have to wait for a roar or, or, or a V8 or, or a V-twin to know that a vehicle might be coming. Intrinsically, at three years old, she understands that that noise that's coming up the road could be an electric vehicle. She's already there. And so it really, really struck me that this next generation, and in fact, I put my, my boys who are 13 and 18, they know what an electric vehicle sounds like. They don't. They don't have to wait for the noise of a V eight. So it, it it was it was striking to me that this three year old intuitively, automatically, uh, understood that I was coming up the road, and and it actually got me 
tremendously excited, Giles, because it made me realize that there's been a mental mind shift. It's already happening. It's already going on around us. And um, I was quite, uh, I was quite chuffed by that. Oh, I can tell. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's no, good stuff. I was going to suggest it might have been the sound of the metal caps of your boots dragging on the ground, but you probably had to take the trouble of actually putting them on the actual. <laughs> no, just the quiet, smiling, um, clean work. Yeah, no, that's terrific. And look, the, the interesting news is that um, from the start of this month, um, we've now got rebates for electric vehicles in New South Wales to go along with those in Victoria. And also, we've just heard um, in the past week that South Australia is going to do the same thing. So that's three states which are going to have three thousand dollar rebates for uh, electric vehicles priced at about you know from I think it's roughly it could change this from state to state, but it's roughly sort of sixty eight thousand dollars. So it's probably like your Model Three all the way down. So um, that's going to be a great incentive, and I think we're actually going to see a big um, pickup in. Um, a big pickup in the up to well, we've already seen it this year actually. I think it's more than double already uh, what it was last year. Um, and we're kind of moving through from those sort of you know, those early adopters to the innovators, or is it the innovators to the early adopters? I can't remember which one comes first now, but um, we're moving through the ranks of adoption. We haven't quite got to mass adoption, but it's not going to be too far it's away. True. It's true. It reminds me, I have to go back to Harley Davidson and mm. increase my offer by three thousand bucks because uh. Hoping I can get that three thousand dollar rebate to buy that to buy that live wire. So that's good. My offer just went up by three grand. There you go. Fantastic. Oh, we'll, we'll bring you the good news in, uh, in a fortnight's time in the next podcast. <laughs> Nigel, look, I think that's a wrap. Um, we'd like to thank once again our sponsors, um, Solar Analytics, Sunwiz, and Clean Energy, of course. Um, thanks to you. Thanks to your interview with Matthew Looney from Autonomous Energy. Um, and thanks to all our listeners, um, everyone out there, um, for, um, for finding us interesting and putting up with us and um, coming back each um, fortnight to hear some more. Um, do listen out to the Great Solar Business Podcast. Um, next episode next week, as Nigel forecasts, um, mysteriously, but um, you know, quite teasingly, um, a, uh, an expert from the US comparing the two markets, and of course, the weekly Energy Insiders podcast. And there's actually a new driven podcast up as well. We talked to the CEO of the Clean Energy Finance Corporation, Ian Lemonth, um, who um, has a Model 3 in um, in inner city um, Sydney and has trouble charging it because he doesn't have a plug at home because he doesn't have a garage. So where can he charge it? Anyway, um, it's an interesting conversation about how he's thinking about electric vehicle transition and others as well. Look, that's it for now. Once again, thanks to the sponsors. Thanks to everyone out there. And we'll be back again in a fortnight. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. With pro setup, training and assistance, run your business at maximum velocity. Visit sumwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights. Visit solaranalytics.com.au.